Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sans Pants Radio. I'm all thumbs. Hey, everyone. Just letting you know that the audiobook of Gabe's Boone Shepherd is now available. Just head to sanspantsradio.podkeep.com to purchase your copy today for the limited price of only £5. But if that's a little steep for you, we're also releasing it on iTunes a chapter a week. Just search for Boone Shepherd where all good podcasts are found. Welcome to another episode of Movie Maintenance where some plays just need fixing. This week we're talking about Cursed Child. Yay. Yay. I just finished it, literally. So, yeah, Sean literally just finished it. In just fact, now. it was just before we... <laughs> <laughs> we were actually yeah. just saying, like, right before we started recording that this is the... Because, I mean, this is... We are recording on the Monday after it came out. This is the first time I think any of us have been able to have a sort of proper spoiler-filled discussion mm-hmm. yep. with anyone about it. I haven't spoken to anyone about it yet. Mm-hmm. I only finished it last night. Yep. I'm the only person I know other than you three who has actually... And then I went and watched it. Psycho 2 to cleanse my palate. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, consider it cleansed. It was. It was. Oh no, Psycho Two is great. But that seems um, hypocritical. Yeah, I'm thinking about what I'll watch tonight as my palate cleanse. Psycho Two, I recommend. Maybe it. Last Summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Christ, Last Summer is so good. Okay, so so Cursed Child, like it's. So I guess, like I don't know. I when I first heard it was announced, I was like, I, I don't know if I was. I, I was excited by the idea of it in general because I mean, look, I. I, like, I think everyone in this room, because we all grew up in the same generation, I yeah. really passionately loved Harry Potter growing up. For sure. Like, I really, really did. I mean, I... And I think there was a very particular feeling to... So, I guess, being a kid, walking into a bookstore, seeing the new Harry Potter books there, mm. grabbing it, buying it, going home, diving into it, trying... And I remember when the... Uh, I was doing, like, a school film project the weekend Deathly Hallows came out, and I was able, I was just able to get the book, like, before I had to go and film from, like, 9 till 6 that day and same again on the Sunday. Oh, no, I think I had the Sunday off. And the whole day I was, like, itching to fucking get into this book. And then finally I got home that night, and I literally just spent the whole night and the whole next day just tearing through it until the end. It was great. And when sort of in the build-up of the script book, I wasn't that excited until maybe, like, the – Friday or the Saturday, and then I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, there's gonna I'm gonna walk into a bookstore on Sunday and get a new Harry Potter book and and open it and then go home and be able to read it and kind of lose it's, myself. Yeah, it's been nearly a decade since you've had the ability to do that. I think the first issue I had, and I'm gonna bring this up, and we'll see if you guys agree or disagree. Hmm. I think I bought too much into the hype because. Look, it was so overblown. In every bookstore, big posters, the eighth story, 19 years later, find out what happens next. There was news coverage. There were think pieces. There was articles. It was all over the internet. Yep. And basically everything 
was leading, everything was trying to convince us that this was a new Harry Potter book, including the book itself, which is presented like in this beautiful hardcover book with like this nice embossed like golden little thing on the front. And then like, you know, the nice dust jacket. And it's a beautiful looking book. Like yeah, it's you see it in the store and it's reasonably expensive. It's like, I think it RIP is like $45 or something. 45 is oh, the yeah. full on price. Yeah. yeah and Which it's, nobody should pay for any book. No. Except for Boone Shepard. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> Listeners, eh? But the thing about it was like, Everything about it was designed to convince us we were buying a new Harry Potter book. And when I started reading it, at first I cracked it open. I was like, oh, here we go, back into the world. But it very, very quickly becomes clear that this is a play script. It's very hard to lose yourself in a play script, mm. particularly all the bits where it's like, oh, we're entering this time where time is going to like jump around and we're going to see all these things happening and everything. And I, f- I found the stage directions a bit vague because it was kind of really clear that that's sort of where the director was going to step in and find exciting visual ways of communicating what was going on. Yeah. And so it kind of meant that at times, like the bit where the books were coming out of the bookcase and like attacking yeah. Delphi and Scorpius and um, Albus, I was like, I'm having a lot of trouble visualizing how that would happen. Did you read it and just, and Gabe, you're, you're a playwright. Like you yeah. put on things before. How do you, do you read this and go, how are they actually going to do this? Yeah. Well, like yeah, the, the scenes the are so well. short as yeah. well. Yeah. I was something gonna, like how they transitioning. There's going to be, there has to be so much time of like lights down and there's a lot of shuffling on stage when they set up the yeah. next scene because they're jumping from for, Forbidden Forest oh, like, to a massive stadium yeah. to back to Diagon and back to an a, office. It's got to. They'd have one of those sets. It'd have that to be would, a massive stage on the kind of several things. What's the budget of this? This must be the most astronomical. If I heard that this was the most expensive play ever produced, I would not be surprised because yeah. holy shit they but have to do so much work that's Crazy. the other problem is that we're reading this and as we're reading this we i'm sure all of us thought at the same time holy shit like how much money do you have to have to make this thing work on stage and i was reading yeah. it believing i was like look if you pull off what you're saying here like the scenes in the lake and all the magic and the jewels and everything and you know people transfiguring in the polyjuice potion i was like if people you, flying people randomly. flying I was like, if you find a way to make all this work this would be absolutely extravagant on stage. This could be an amazing onstage spectacular. Hmm. However, when you're reading it, it yeah. doesn't. And the thing is, you know, like in the Harry Potter books, it was like, they were so well written that you could visualize everything. Yeah. You could see it all, all in your head and you can't really see it reading this because it's meant to be performed, Yes, but we can't see it performed either. So to me, look, I'm to be honest, I'm still gathering my thoughts. I'm still trying to articulate, I guess, how I felt about this play, but hmm. To me, it almost feels a bit cynical. This isn't J.K. Rowling's fault, but it almost feels a bit cynical that so much hype was made out of this eighth Harry Potter book coming out that, you know, there were release parties and lines and all the bookstores were holding release parties and everything, when ultimately it's a play script. Like, yeah. it's a play yeah. It's a technical document for a play that most of us will never get to it see. makes it really hard to sort of emotionally connect with it. Absolutely. There are, there are certain bits that, yeah, you do, but... Um... I don't know how I feel about it yet, to be honest. So Yeah, look, I finished it yesterday and I still am collecting my thoughts. Yeah. I'm in a different boat because I missed all of that hype completely. I just I didn't see any posters for it. I didn't talk to anyone about it really before it came out aside from you two. See, Edgar's the difference didn't... is that I just had a book come out, so I go into every bookstore to look at it yeah. on the shelves. <laughs> and I see the poster and the hype everywhere. <laughs> I, I work at a place that sells books. Oh well there you I go. work in the books section of it almost predominantly and it wasn't really there for me. Oh, okay. So cool. I wasn't affected by that. Are you hype. not paying attention at work, mate? I mean, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's very true. You don't have to be apologetic about it. Like, it just is. <laughs> but again, yeah, I don't think the biggest problem I have with Harry Potter and the Cursed Child isn't that it's a play script and we're reading it and we're not, you know, taking it in in the medium that it's meant to be taken in. My biggest problem with it is probably it's clusterfuck of a story. Mm. <laughs> Where, how do you yeah. sit with that, Elise? Because you're a big Harry Potter fan. Yeah. So 
I mean, I guess when I – it didn't hit me as well about it being a new story until I actually started reading it. And mm. just like the first 10 pages, I was like, oh, this this is a new Harry Potter. But it also felt like fan fiction it that I was reading. Really like really it feels weird to complain about fan fiction on this show. Yeah, well, yeah. But <laughs> it did really stand out as fan fiction-y. And I think the biggest way that uh, that stands out was the dialogue. Because yes. people were weren't some, really it was a speaking bit like there was some Harry Potter as well. And I get that it's, you know, it's 22 years after the fact of the last Harry Potter books and language has changed and yeah. teenagers speak differently to how they spoke back in the 90s and that's all fine. But I don't want that language consistency in my Harry Potter world. I want everybody to say also, the goddamn same. The I reality, want some internal consistency. Yeah. The reality of it, though, is as well that, like, with the original books, even though you know, now they do have a certain, you know, every book was like, so book four was 94, book five was 95. We know that now that's been established, Mm. but there was a certain timeless quality to the original books where they could have really been set. The only thing to me that would date the original books is I think in the fourth one where Harry references Dudley having a PlayStation. Which is incorrect, by the way. Because they didn't come out then. hadn't existed (laughs) at the time they said the book. So, yeah, they... But that's the only thing... Rowling, like, she clearly wasn't trying to put it in a time frame, but at a certain point she realised, oh, yeah, I got probably... I think it was because everyone figured it out because Nearly Headless Nick's 500th Death Day, people did the maths from that and then realised, oh, it's 1992. You know, now that you've said nearly... Did she even know? She's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, it is 1992. It sort of felt a bit like it... It came up, like, I think around the time the fifth or the sixth book came out on the internet. Everyone was like, oh, this is when it's set. And then after that, suddenly, like, in the seventh book, it was suddenly addressed that, like, yeah. Harry Potter was born in 1981 and suddenly there were all these dates. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Anyway, look, it could have all been pre-planned. Now that you mentioned uh, Nearly Headless Nick, that actually brought me to my probably favourite part of the book because I am a massive Harry Potter fan as well. I know – I haven't read the books in years, but I still know, like, everything about them. Like, yeah. it's yeah, crazy. I've got a weirdly, like, encyclopedic memory when it comes to Harry Potter. It's- Any Harry Potter trivia thing? Oh, boy, I'll devastate. But my favorite part of Cursed Child is all the name dropping. Every time it happens, I squeal a little bit. And I know I shouldn't because it's cheap and it's lazy. See, that was but my, it works. I kind of groan. I disagree. I groan. Like, yeah. Because oh. I felt like it was. I felt like this. Damn this, you, Goose, for the enjoyment you got out of that. I know, right? Because <laughs> the whole time I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is That's so okay. contrived. I'll never like, be happy again. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but didn't you guys feel like it, it almost bent over backwards to incorporate Absolutely. every possible character and every yeah, just possible reference? Oh, there's Hagrid. Yeah, okay. And it's like. Not enough know, Hagrid, goddammit. Mm, I love me some Hagrid. <laughs> Do love me some Hagrid. All the Hagrid we got was all flashbacks, and that annoyed the shit Albus out of me. Albus Severus, I mean, should have been named Rubius. He should have been named Hagrid Hagrid. I never agreed <laughs> with him being named Severus. Like... Yeah, so and Snape's always... gratuitous cameo where he's like yeah. a hero. They spend so much time Snape. sucking Snape's dick. And Snape, here's the thing. <laughs> Snape, what Snape did in the books was a great noble thing. Snape was not right. a good guy. No, he's a jerk. He's shit. still a piece That's of shit. That's what makes him compelling. Yeah. And like you see but him, stop, Ron and Hermione having your son a after him. Buddy, yeah. Exactly. Like Ron and Hermione have this buddy buddy relationship with yeah. Snape, Ugh. and it's like, and then Snape's got that bit where he's like, you know, I spent so long fighting for this cause for Lily that along yeah. the way I started believing it. It's like fuck off. Don't you but he's mean? cracking jokes, like, and I'm like, I found myself enjoying it, and then I was like, but hang on, this is Snape. Like he doesn't talk also, like this. It was, he doesn't. And what's the bit where he's like, how did I die? And he's like Voldemort, and he goes, oh, how irritating. It's like, they would never say that. He would never say like, anything that he said. They wrote Snape as Alan Rickman. They wrote Snape as, yeah. Alan as Snape. Yeah. And the thing is, you know what? They wanted here's, the, here's the killer. They can't cast Alan Rickman anymore. But, yeah, I feel like when I was reading, I was like, I wonder if they were planning on getting him to for come cameo, back for yeah. it, which would have been great. Uh, could you imagine like, if this plays on stage and they bring back any of the film cast for any cameo? <laughs> it's going to tear the house down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah it'd be insane. It'd be great. 
Like, if they have, like, flashbacks to when Harry's in high school, if Daniel Radcliffe ever comes out for any of that, people are going to lose their damn minds. <laughs> people are going to forget that they're in, like, a theatre, and they're going to think they're in, like, a professional wrestling arena. It's going, yes! Massive cheers I, all over the place. I figure, like, a It'll decade from now, they'll probably adapt this into a film, right? Oh, oh for sure. sure. Do you think I, so? I think this would make a better film. I think TV series. I, that was, I felt it this was This is more, a TV series? Yeah, for like sure. Like a really? mini-series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it has to be pretty short, though. Yeah. If they don't, Unless like, they expand on it. They yeah. should expand on the early years of school and not just mm. devote two pages to year one, two pages year two, yeah. two pages year three, because yeah. that wasn't great. They'll expand on that a little bit, and yeah, because it was. I think it's a bit too cinematic for a play. A lot of the stuff they. Oh, definitely, yeah. A I lot agree. of the stuff they uh, that's in the script notes. They fit, it feels way too big for mm. a stage. All the magic and all the flying and yeah. the bit on top of the train, which where her hands how, change. How no. are you gonna have her hands change? Well, it, it, it do doesn't that. matter. Obviously, yeah. they do it. Like, yeah. Obviously, it works. And the one thing that is the one response, I guess, is coming from everybody who's seen the play. Is that visually it's it quite spectacular? Great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I'm sure I'd like not, to see it. I'm sure they're they going to ever bring corners. it anywhere else. Oh, look! At- I think they said they're going to. It's going to New York. Like, oh, cool. Is it going to come to Australia? It'll too. What a thankless task, though, because like if it does come to Australia eventually, by that point, all the real fans who are your target audience really would have gone. Will have read it, it mm. or gone yeah. and seen it somewhere yeah. else if you're overseas. And so by the time it comes here, it's like, I mean, I kind of feel like it's such a twist-heavy story. It's not like a Look, okay, bear with me because this thought is not particularly well thought out. But like, it's not like a musical where you go in there and you you get swept up in the songs and the, you know all yeah. of that. Like, it's a musical, something where you go to, not necessarily for the plot or the twists or anything right. like that. It's for you know what it is. Whereas this is very, it's very very story driven. Yeah. And to me, this isn't something where you're going to read the story and then be like, oh, I mean, you, you we want to see it on stage. But I sort of feel like once we've had time to sink in and once people have read yeah. this multiple times and everything, eventually it'll be like, yeah, I already know everything. Like, I'd like to see it, but at the same time, I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, like, no, I think you're right. It's yeah. very based on twists that... So they should add some songs to it. I mean, look, That's full, what I'm getting. Full disclosure. No, I'm not, not saying that, anything like that. Turn like, it full, into a music. Full disclosure, I looked up the spoilers when they first came out, <laughs> the first previews. You piece of garbage. And I read all the spoilers. <laughs> and so none of the, I guess, twists in the book blew me away because like when I read those when I read the synopsis I didn't I was know like, them and they this still sounds didn't blow like me away. bad fan fiction and yeah. then I read it and I was like but every all the reviews are really good so I said look maybe when I read it maybe in reading it and experiencing it properly things will it will sell yeah. things for me a bit better and some things it did like reading in a synopsis the thing about Harry trying to give Albus the blanket I was like that sounds really naff and really contrived and really overly convenient in this it actually they sold it they sold me on it I still think that's a really shitty present yeah Harry should know better yeah, maybe, but well, I know I got I, an invisibility cloak, yeah. Dad. Yeah, like, yeah but he here you are, my fourteen-year-old son. Yeah. Here is a moldy old blanket that I used to have when I was a baby that I like didn't yeah, have in was, my form. I probably years. vomited all over. He was and, trying you know. to reach out. I get that he though. He was, was try- but, he but he was trying to reach out. And the point was, he wasn't reaching out well because he didn't understand his son. Here's an easier way. Here you go, Albus. Here's my firebolt. So oh. how do we? Oh, done. Whew. Sorted. Dad but Albus hated year. Quidditch, though. Yeah, exactly. Give yeah. him some, like, oh, cool Albus aura shit. thing. How do we know. feel about Albus? I mean, Scorpius, no, that's what I, I think that's Scorpius what we That's what I say yeah. most times throughout the books. Albus, you shit. 
<laughs> okay, and, and you know what? Can I just can I just like launch into this for a second here? No, Albus and Scorpius. Damn, he's doing it anyway. And I like I like their relationship. And I like their banter, and I really like Scorpius. I think Scorpius is an awesome character. I love the fact that Draco Malfoy just had this entirely lovely son, yeah. who's just like a bit of a dweeb and a bit of a nerd, and he's yeah. awesome. And I love Draco in this as well. Like, I, I, I thought there were moments that were really out of character for him. Like, I thought he'd softened a bit too much, particularly mm. towards the end. He softened very like, quickly. And it was the same with Snape and Draco. It's like, okay, yeah. Snape and Draco are both complex characters. They both are not entirely good, not entirely bad, but the fact that their good qualities ultimately outweigh their bad qualities does not change the fact that they are unpleasant human mm. beings. I would not want to be friends with either of them. And they almost became quite cuddly in this. Yeah, Draco, like, he was just very open about his emotions. Like, Harry. Yeah, just telling him exactly how that, he's like, feeling. Exactly. And, you know, there was that... I guess, like, he'd lost his wife, and that sort of makes mm. sense to me. And then, but, like, that's what I loved about, and I didn't love much about the epilogue, but, like, I love the bit where Draco and Harry just kind of nod to each other, and it's yeah, like, yeah, we're, nice. we're resolved, but we're never going to be friends. Whereas this sort of, and there's that bit at the end where he's like, I'm being bossed around by Hermione Granger, and you know what? I kind of like it. And I was like, oh, fuck off. Fuck off. But, like, yeah, no, Scorpius I thought was great. And that said, first and foremost, this is my biggest problem with this. Your whole plot to save Cedric. I, and that was another thing that, like, also, in reading it... Why I, Cedric? Why Cedric, yeah. And, it, look, in reading it, I didn't... Yeah, who cares about Cedric? That's what I thought. Nobody's <laughs> cared about Cedric <laughs> since the Goblet of Fire. But yeah. he is, Even in the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> he is the sparrow in every yeah. sense of the word. <laughs> and they, they said that a million and one times. But, look, I... When I read that in the synopsis, I was like, why the fuck would you say Cedric? We've all forgotten about Cedric. But, like... In reading this, it sort of sold me a, more or less. Like, I was able to go with it in reading it. Yeah. That was another thing that, like, didn't work reading a synopsis, but sort of worked reading a script. But, okay, so what you do is you don't go, you, you fucking morons, you don't go back and change it so that Cedric, have you never seen any time travel movie ever? Like, you don't go back and change it so Cedric doesn't die. You go back and you take Cedric out of the Triwizard Tournament and you bring him to the present day. Ooh. And then you don't fuck up time and then... Amos gets his son back, and Cedric skips all of that. That's a hmm, interesting. Yeah. Look, that's that's I don't my know maintenance. How I feel about that guy. That's my big maintenance. However, it would fuck up the whole plot because yeah. it would just be too logical. But like, come on, <laughs> Albus and Scorpius are like, guys, you're 14. You're not fucking morons. No, like, they are though. They yeah, are. but you're depicted <laughs> as like reasonably smart kids. You're they like, are because the story needs them to be. Well, morons. that's what annoyed me. Yeah. They weren't morons because they were sold as morons. They were morons because, and, th- and there was a bit of lip service. They were yeah. like, you two were so stupid. But it was like, man, it's such an easy tweak. Like if you just went back and took, so, took, you could have even faked his death. You could have taken him from the moment before he grabbed the cup and you could have said, you could have done something to fake his death. I don't know what. And maybe if you want to like take the plot and use that so it makes sense, maybe that's what fucks up time. Maybe they're like, oh yeah, we'll do this. They do something to fake Cedric's death. And that ends up fucking up time and then maybe they get stuck with Cedric on these adventures and then Cedric has to deal with the fact that he's like wait what all of this happened because I died and then like and then ultimately the story becomes about Cedric realizing I actually have to die for this to work oh that's nice. a good fucking story hey, that's okay good. yeah so none of that made sense what was actually in the book like how could you be so f- of course if you go back and stop Cedric from dying you're going to fuck up everything and do you not realize that the whole lives you two have led up to this point created by the delicate balance of the world that you have lived in so far would in some way be fucked up have you never re- never seen the butterfly effect I mean come on guys and on top of that, why did it keep breaking its own rules? Like, yeah. 
with the time turner, it's like, okay, so we've established in Prisoner of Azkaban that you use the time turn, you go back in time, and then there's the you from the present day who's gone back in time and the past you, and the two of you are in the same time. And I'll be yeah. point of Prisoner oh, of Azkaban yeah, was trying totally to avoid right. that. Yep. In this, yeah, that was sort of happening. But then, uh, like, when when uh, Albus went back with, uh, no, no, when Scorpius went back with Ron and Hermione and first stopped the two uh him and scorpius from interfering in the with first dragon. task yeah like firstly wouldn't that have changed something because like when he went back with ron hermione and state everything was still exactly the same so surely that would have changed something or that would have yep. stopped albus and scorpius from doing the next thing surely yep. point a mm-hmm. but nothing changed and then point b like when he went back to the second task and interfered albus actually says oh you were swimming next to me and then i saw you pull out the wands so it's like so what he went back into his old body then instead of there being another him to interfere i was confused by that like, part as what, well what? Yeah. time travel is Fucked, mate. I know it's time. I hate. Fucked, but... I hate the time turner. I oh, hate it. And didn't Jackie oh, yeah. Rowling said she hated the time turner? That's why, why she that's destroyed, why them. destroyed them. I think you and I have had this. Yeah, at we've least, had this. Where I'm always like, why didn't they use a time turner to do this? And you're like, Sean, they got fucking destroyed in the fifth book. Oh, Get yeah. over it. They're gone, <laughs> and they should be gone forever. They're just oh, didn't, they're a mess. Wait. Okay, JK's involvement in this, she didn't write the script, she didn't pen the script. No, she, the, the story, story is hers. Story. Yeah. So that means yeah. the she decision to the bring story. back the oh, time yeah. turners has oh, to have absolutely. been hers. Yeah. She had to sign off on everything. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. of course, you would have her sign Damn off Damn it, JK. You wouldn't. If you made a Harry Potter production of this scale and just pushed her out, that would be <laughs> such an incredible scandal. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Wouldn't it just oh. been for a surprise? But I think a better story than the they've script. used the time turners because, like, they were essentially able to create the story that didn't really generate anything new. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's this whole story new. that kind of. Huh? I wanted something yeah, new. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so, it was it. so like contrived. Like, let's let's see all the characters who've died again. Let's see all these characters. Let's yeah. see if you all had the told fan, me fan the cast list of characters that are going to come like, in this play, I would have called you a liar. I wouldn't have said there's <laughs> no possible way you could get yeah. literally. Every single major character from the original seven books into this play. Yeah. That's absurd. That's going to be so convoluted. No person, no writer in the right mind is going to be like, yeah, this is a good idea. For if I was the play. producer, I'd be like, why are you spending so much money? Fuck this. this. <laughs> I kind of hate. I, I Look, I don't. It depends on how it's done, but I sort of hate parallel universe. It's like Shrek 4. It's like, okay, so <laughs> basically classic. the only character who's going to have any arc is the protagonist. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, Harry sort of does, I guess, but like in so much of it, it's a different timeline, so he's not the same Harry. Although the script goes to great pains to be like, no, Harry's exactly the same in this timeline, despite his two best friends not being married and him probably not have having that same relationship with the same influences while Yeah, Harry doesn't up, change in the timelines, does he? No, that would be way too hard to write. Yeah. Are you kidding? But, yeah. Jesus. But like, yeah, there's actually a line, but like, oh, Harry's exactly the same, so his art can continue despite it being a different... You know, I don't know. Fucking time But it just, it, like, it just felt like the play went out of its way to be like, hey... Goblet of Fire was everyone's favourite book, right? Let's revisit all the cool scenes from Goblet of Fire, but like in a slightly different way. It's not even oh, the best Ludo book, Bag, guys. Man, he's back. No, Order of the Phoenix is the best book. No, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. That's a compelling argument. Yeah, that's I'll the best it. film. But that has all the time. Goblet turners. of Fire. I thought the you best hate film. time turners. Oh, no, I liked. I liked Funny, them no. just a little bit. I like a sprinkle of time turner, but not like. Well, yeah, a, a whole Prisoner of Azkaban. The time turner logic works. And yes, like, it worked. They, but, you know, even well, yeah, no, it worked. I, I'll grant you that. Yeah, it I don't know why I'm like not them... I'm, why I'm attacking my favorite book. No, yeah. it was good. I really liked it. It worked, but I didn't need it again. No, time travel just fucks things up. Just tell a simple story, please. JK, Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> and uh, how do how do we all? Uh, I guess I guess we need to sort of delve into what what doesn't feel like the big thing, but sort of is the big thing. 
how do we feel about Voldemort's secret daughter know. with Bellatrix? That's the that, bit when we're, I was out there and I cracked the shits. Knew it. And you're like, it. I know what bit you're reading. No. Did, can we all this just think? Guys, can we, we all saw of silence Bellatrix. and visualize Bellatrix and Voldemort fucking? Oh, no. I've thought about nothing <laughs> since last night. We all, we all think I've been playing on a loop. For I read the rest this. Of my life. I read this article head. where they were saying, like, was it possible that she set that set this up earlier? And they took this passage from the fifth book where Harry has this like excruciating pain, and it's Voldemort laughing. He's like, never been so happy. Like, <laughs> was that him having an orgasm? <laughs> Voldemort got laid for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a dick again. I'm surprised. I'm surprised he's got a penis. Yeah, no, I yeah, thought. Too. I thought he's. I dick figured no nose, no nose. dicks. Like, yeah, in the same curse, they're just sort of. Everything that's <laughs> everything that protruded from his body. Just his, the curse was off. he became smooth. I yeah. imagine yeah. that Voldemort it would be a very dispassionate lover. Like Bellatrix would be right into it. He'd be distracted by Bellatrix. Would she would, would be Harry the whole time. I think <laughs> not in that way. Maybe been in that way, but like I think Bellatrix the Strong is probably the best lay in the Harry Potter universe. Oh, she'd have to be. <laughs> Wasted on Voldemort, right? Because yeah. Voldemort, Voldemort's got no sex drive. There's no way Voldemort's got a sex drive. He would be so functional. He'd be like Stannis. Yeah, he really would, wouldn't he? It would be. It would actually be exactly Stannis and Melisandre. It would be two and a half minutes at most of just very bland pumping, and then he'd leave. What do you reckon the pillow talk was like afterwards? Oh, there wouldn't be any. It would be in and out. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally, he she might, would try and he'd be like, "Leave me." And he might hiss. Yeah, she would I be think trying he's a hissle. Really she would be trying oh, so hard. He would hiss. Be twirling that curly hair yeah. of hers. Yeah. But also, it doesn't. It actually because it said I was born right before the Battle of Hogwarts. No, we saw Bellatrix right before the yeah, Battle of Hogwarts at Malfoy Manor. Oh, no, she was not pregnant. Mind. She was fighting and torturing. What's the difference? How much time is there between Malfoy Manor and Battle of Hogwarts? Not nine months. Oh, yeah, because I mean, she would have to be in a few minutes. Wait, hang on. Whoa, I just I'm like, she died, but. So Bellatrix had the baby. I think she had the baby. I read someone said that uh, sixth book, she's not at the tower when Dumbledore dies. Oh, this yeah, is... She's... Could that is in the have film. been when? She is in the film. Yeah, she's yeah. in the film, but in the book, the she's not there. She's not yeah. there. And that's also, at the start of the sixth book, she tells um, Malfoy's mum, like, if I had any children, I would give them gladly to the Dark Lord. Mm. So... But then, but then, like, when did it happen? Because, like, I, I, I just can't. When did it Voldemort out. Like, find time in his busy campaign to have sex, guys? When? Well, if, if it was only well, two and a half. He doesn't minutes. take that long. Like, the yeah. sixth book was it? The sixth book also, where he was largely like, gone. Other ways no, it was the to fifth. get pregnant. Yeah. Six was the fifth. Yeah. Six. You know, it doesn't. He doesn't, doesn't need he doesn't make the, the actual. I suppose he could use like black okay. magic. And, That's like, what I kind of clearly happened then. Maybe it's maybe you did IVF. There's no shame in that. I would have been okay. I would have been okay with this revelation if at some point afterwards they revealed like you know someone just lied to Delphi. She's not Voldemort's child. Obviously not. Voldemort couldn't have kids. He wouldn't have kids. He can't love. Oh. So, love and lust aren't the same. And he had no penis. Yeah, and he had no dick because it melted yeah. off. That's canon, damn it. That was my <laughs> canon uh, yeah, for I... a decade. <laughs> so it just didn't. Or if, or if we just got rid of the whole, because the, I think the, I don't even know why you'd have the idea that Voldemort and Bellatrix like conceive, because the first thing anyone is going to think about is, I wonder what them fucking look like. The first <laughs> thing I thought of anyway was, but like outside of that, like why wouldn't you just say she was conceived through dark magic or something? Yeah, like yeah. make it like King Arthur and Mordred thing if you want. Yeah. like and that would almost like make her 
more interesting because I thought she was a pretty bland villain, to be honest. Oh, she was rubbish. Yeah. I, didn't, like, I didn't mind her character. And then when she came back as the bad guy and she's all like, oh, what should I do? Choices, choices. I'm like, you're just a shit bland villain. I liked when she Avada Kedavra the kid. I was like, oh, okay. we've that, yeah. That's... You're, you're darker than I expected, mm. which I thought was cool. Yeah. But then when she came back, like she was just felt like defeated so easily at the end. Yeah. And I just thought the whole, the whole ending, you know, it's hard. It's really, really hard to describe this, but like reading the ending, it felt to me like it was the writers sitting around being like, mm, I guess, well, we can have this, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel natural or flowing. It felt really disjointed and really like, oh, and I guess we'll, and it, the, the play almost felt like it was self-consciously trying to justify everything it was doing. Like, oh yeah, I guess we'll, We'll transfigure Harry into Voldemort and then he'll sort of witness his parents' death and then Delphi will come in and Harry will, will talk to him, but he'll be like, what, what? it just, it just was my, felt really odd. Kind of that was really my least endings. favorite part yeah, of man. the book. That was, was that whole terrible, sequence. I that thought. was not great. A terrible idea. Why would Harry want to watch his parents die? <laughs> that is literally the worst well, thing that happens see, to him. That's what he sees when the Dementors try to take his I souls. Know. Why would he stick around for that? But then that? he's talking about yeah, how he needs to learn to like let it go, so it's part of that. But the whole book series was about him learning to let it go. Oh, mate, they wanted to do it again and sell a million copies, all right? Oh, and a million yeah. is a fucking understatement. I don't know. Look, I don't know it, why they do what they do. Okay, like, if, if all right, we're talking maintenance. Like, just coming back off what I said before about, like, the idea that maybe they try to fake Cedric's death, they take him with them, they end up realising they fucked up, they have Cedric going with him, Cedric has to learn he's going to die. And then you could even have, like, if you wanted to have that theme of Harry trying to accept something... Because, you know, Harry never really dealt with Cedric's death apart from all of the fifth book. But, like, I don't think it was ever really a moment of resolution where he was like, I've let go of Cedric's death. So maybe, like, you actually have older Harry meet Cedric oh. and older Harry be like, oh, you died so I could live, I, I guess, which didn't really because he was a spare. But you could play with a lot of that stuff and there could be a lot of – I could be sold on Cedric if you did something with him. Yeah. Is he an interesting enough character no. to You could wanna... make him one. That would be new. I guess, yeah. If you if you actually, like, if, if you're telling me there's a story about a guy who is in the middle of, like, what could be one of the greatest glories of his life where he wins this amazing tournament and then he gets whisked away by two kids from the future who are like, by the way, if you finish this, you are going to die. And then he has to go and confront, like, all the things that are going to happen from the moment of his death and all the things that are – and then meets the guy who survived while he died who was, like, the dweeby kid who wasn't going to win the competition – but who went on to become this amazing hero. And then you have Cedric trying to grapple with all of that, trying to not only come to terms with the fact that he is going to die, but come to terms with, like, Harry's glory and fame and success. Now he's literally forgotten as the spare. And then at the end, have Cedric kind of realise that he has to die for time to stay together and he has to die for all this to happen and have him sacrifice himself for the greater good. That, to me, is an interesting story, and that gives him an interesting arc to play. And foregrounding like Cedric is something that we haven't seen because he was literally just Harry's sort of rival in... Goblet of Fire. Yeah. I feel like the whole sell of Cursed Child is the nostalgia of it, like going back and getting to revisit seeing these characters. It does kind of have the greatest hits. That's exactly how I felt. But so I wonder with that, if I was reading it, because like when I was reading in, in, was it Amos? Like he keeps appearing. I'm like, oh my God, I don't care about this guy. I don't want to be reading about him. I never cared about him in the original series. Why do I want to know about him now? I feel like if I was reading Cursed Child and it was all about Cedric, doesn't have the same no, fair, emotional but, allure. But that's, I guess that's the question. Like, did you think the nostalgia, which mm. it was so heavily based upon, it would be was enough? Did did you how, when when you finished Curse mm. Child at least? How did you feel like putting it down? I was kind of like meh, because <laughs> <laughs> I was honestly meh. struggling to get through it during the day. Like, I 
I devote, I cleared my whole day yesterday to like read it and it was, and it was a beautiful day outside. And I like, you know, literally set myself up with mugs of Milo and Tim Tams of plenty. It was so nice and, yesterday. And you know what I said to my, it was a beautiful sunny day. And you know, yeah. I said to myself, I was like, I'm not going to drink any booze today because I'm going to read Harry Potter like I did when I was a kid. About halfway through, I got a bottle of wine and smashed it. <laughs> and like for the rest of the book, I was just sitting there with glass after the glass of wine being like, yeah, yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, yeah. All right. We're revisiting this scene and this and scene and this scene. And this again. Yeah. And then uh, I guess Albus and Albus is being an unpleasant idiot, and Harry's sort of being a jerk, and Ron is acting really out of character. And what I guess the Hermione's fuck was cool. up with Ron. Oh, Ron was terrible. He was awful. Like I, I like the idea that Ron is making bad dad jokes, but you know what? It was again. You know how you said that Snape was portrayed as. Alan Rickman, yep. Ron was portrayed as Rupert Grint because the thing is, the Ron of the books is not the Ron of the movies. Ron yeah. was not a bumbling He's not a bumbling idiot joke of books. a character. No, and in the movies he was. Ron is relatively capable. Ron Ron has the whole... I love Ron's whole He's capable and occasionally arc. lame. And, and he's occasionally lame, but he is capable. He he's is not consistently lame. No. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And then just have him around. I did like the address that they sort of just had him around for no other reason than fan service. And he has that line where like, my kids aren't really involved, but everyone else is standing up. So <laughs> I guess I should so too. It's so on the nose. It's like, so it's just, on it's... the nose. But oh, I still loved it. And I mean, look, I liked... I liked everything Hermione did. I liked, like, but even the scene where it was like Ron and Hermione are like these rebels living, you know, under state's protection. And of course, Hermione's like a rebellious badass. That totally makes sense. It was like, yeah, Ron doesn't wear it as well as Hermione and Ron's still cracking jokes and everything. I was like, nah, fuck off. Like, if this was, I'm sorry, but like in this traumatized world, they would both be completely burnt out badasses. Yeah. Because yeah. Ron was definitely going that way by the end of the series. Yeah. Like, you don't, they, the they treat him like I a joke. That, uh, yeah. Ron was making any of these jokes to start with is just because he inherited the joke shop. Which wouldn't have yeah. happened in this reality because they all would have died and Weasleys would be bad. So we're looking at this guy who's like, he would have lost his entire family and his best friend and like the whole world they would have fought for. And you're telling me he'd still be making lame dab jo- dad jokes and things like that? Like, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of felt, yeah, Ron just felt really, Hermione felt right, I think. Yeah, she was good. Generally speaking. I like yeah. the reveal of her as the minister for magic. I like yeah, that, that too. That, cool. It had me wondering, oh, I wonder who this is the, who's the minister now? Percy? Yeah. I guess that makes sense. That'd be boring. But then Hermione. Oh, Hermione, great. Checks out. Good. Makes, perfect, makes perfect, sense. perfect sense. Good bit of fan service, as opposed to the rest of the book. Which, which is not, not some fan. great, which isn't terrible fan service, and also, but comparatively. H- Hermione was the best of the revisited characters. Right? I think so, I think so, so yeah. yeah. I just kept I'd... reading it wanting to be like, I wish nah, I could see this. Ginny. I liked yeah, Ginny. I liked Ginny. I felt like I wanted She's her right. more yeah. in it. Well, look, Ginny was always – I actually read this review that shat me off the wall of – not of Cursed Child, but like it was – oh, it was a, I think it was a review of the stage play. And it was talking about Ginny as a character and it was like, oh, one of J.K. Rowling's biggest mistakes well, – J.K. Rowling's biggest mistake was not only pairing Ron and Hermione together, but pairing Harry and Ginny because Ginny had no personality. I was like, <gasps> fuck off. She's just watched the movies. Ginny is my, <laughs> yeah, yeah. my favourite character in the series. Ginny and Sirius Black are my two favourite mm-hmm. characters. Ginny has – Remus all the way. Yeah, Sirius Re- destroys Remus, mate. Come on. But oh, no, Remus is a yeah. Remus is a good argument. But like, sorry, but Ginny has personality <laughs> fucking pouring out of her ears. Ginny's like, my 
She's I fucking love Ginny and yeah. I liked her in this and I love the bit where, you know, Draco's like, My kid is in danger and Ginny like roars back even louder. Mine too and I was like, Fuck yes, you fierce lioness. Just this fuck, is my Ginny Weasley. Just Weezy. fuck on the floor right now. Just go for it, guys. See, I'm not, I I fucking I love Ginny Weasley because like she's she's funny, she's smart, she's sassy, she's more powerful of witch or wizard than like pretty much any of them. Yeah. Like I think Ginny's a fucking legend and I liked her. This Ginny felt right. Ginny yeah. felt like my Ginny. Yeah. And Harry, I sort of and Hermione mostly. I was on the fence with Harry. Yeah, Harry seemed it seemed boring almost. Mm. Like a little too professional, I guess. Yeah. He lost a lot of his fun. He lost his spark. Yeah. And also, like, I saw one of the photos I saw from the play, and this was, I think, the first moment I got really excited, was one of Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And it was like Ron's like up on the bookshelf and Hermione and Harry kind of like in the middle of talking. And it looked like they were having like a fun, laughy banter scene. And that was the first moment I got excited because I saw the three actors and I was like, oh man. That's going to be like getting to hang out with Harry, Ron, and Hermione again, right? This would be really good. The three of them never had a scene alone together because that scene in the picture was when they're Not all polyjuiced. Yeah. So I was like, I and like I know there were a few scenes with Ginny and Draco as well, but it was like, I'm sorry, but like the as much as I love Ginny and I love Draco, the original Trinity was it was those three, man. I want to see mm, the three of them just point. bouncing off each other. At least one scene of like it's like with Force Awakens how we never get to see Han, Luke, and Leia back together. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like, I would have really liked that. It was. A lot of strange questions and a lot of very odd uh, plot points and all that, but I still kind of loved it a little bit. I was really happy to be back. I know you were saying before, Gabe, about sitting down to read it, and I did the same thing at my place. I just was happy to be back in this world for a good part of it, and so much so that all of its really odd character choices and non-existent character motivations and really convoluted plot didn't bother me all that much at the end. And that's totally fair, actually. Like, that's... um. Like, I, I, I really respect that. I just, I think the first 20 pages I felt that way. I think, like, the, at the start, I, I, I was like. I think when they started, when, they, when you sent Albus to school and then they yeah. started skipping years. And I was like, That's, oh, I thought we were I just going to get, like, no, the first I didn't mind that. I, I, I was I already was like, come on. Just Somewhat after that point. Because the first 20 pages, when they first, like, put that Chekhov's gun in of the room of, like, Voldemort's kid, I was like, oh, they're going to pay off on that, aren't they? Fuck. That didn't, that didn't grab me. That upset me quite a lot. Mm. And in turn, of course, yeah, and they did pay it off, and it did upset me then. But, all things said and done, I still got into it maybe towards the end of the first act, when they started going back in time. And I was like, okay, that could be an interesting to do once. Just do it yeah, once. And then it just yeah, kept. and then they kept going the back. Because, of course, they're idiots They don't realize that, of course, that could have negative consequences. <laughs> so, I guess, like, so, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you, you were able to buy into the whole thing. I bought into some of it, but there were elements I really liked, like Scorpius and stuff. Um, Did you like, because I liked this, and I would really like to see it in a movie or a TV show, the bit where they're escaping the Hogwarts Express. And I have just, I can see it so I clearly. I like that. I can see it. I can see it so clearly, like the nice little shopping trolley, which on top of the thing, like anything from the trolley, dears. I'm going to fuck you up with my spy cam. I love that. Because <laughs> yeah. when, I, um, when I read that in the synopsis before, I was like, wait, what? Because the, the way it was written was like, yeah, they escaped from the Hogwarts Express and then the trolley witch grows claws for some reason. And, and I was like, wait, what? That sounds fucking stupid. What had happened? I was like, and she was like, this person left me in charge of this. And I have, I have never let a student get up. And then like, apparently when they, when they interview her later about it, all she keeps talking about is how she failed oh, this like, yeah, from 150 years ago. Great. I think like, that might have been my favourite part of I thought the that book. was awesome. She's my favourite character. A lot of the humour was actually pretty on point across the board, I thought. 
Particularly with Scorpius. Scorpius. Yeah. Scorpius is great. Right up until this one line of Scorpius's, which really bothered me when he sees Bethilda Bagshot when they're back in time. And he says some really, oh, yeah. really clunky line about his uh, geekness. Geekness yeah. is quivering. I was like, no one talks like that. Not today. Not 20 years ago. What the hell are you doing? I hate that line when he's talking to Snape, I think. And he says, thanks for being my light in the darkness. Oh, <laughs> God. I was like, oh, that was- oh, But Connie, you forget, as we learned in Warcraft, hmm. from darkness comes light <laughs> and from light comes darkness. A lesson I hope to carry forever. <laughs> oh, I actually, you know what I actually really liked about it, which surprised me? was sort of the way Petunia was handled yeah, yeah. in those yeah. brief flashbacks because, yeah. I mean, she got glimmers, like tiny the one at the glimmers grave, yeah? of depth. Yeah. The one at the mm. grave I thought was really nice. Yeah. I thought just these... But was that even a real scene? Didn't Harry say that never Don't... happened? No, never that happened. That no, never she... happened. Because yeah, in he, the books, when happened. he's there with Hermione, that's the first time he's ever yeah. been. Yeah, yeah that's true. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's true. It was just a hallucination. And also, like yeah. when when he mentioned that Petunia had died, I was like, "What?" I was like, "Something like, well, what happened to Vernon?" And like the idea that Dudley like sent that stuff on to Harry, I was like, it's "Oh, nice. that's nice." Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no way that Petunia outlived Vernon. The way that Vernon eats, holy shit! Well, the actor didn't yeah. last that long. Oh, so. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, just to oh. hurt you. Oh no, I feel bad. Oh, <laughs> so where do so where where do you stand overall, Elise? Like, did you what what did you like? Um, if much, yeah, Scorpius was really great. Um, actually, can I talk, what do you guys think about Albus and Scorpius? Like, I know there's really big dryery fans, right? Mm. And I know I don't see that yeah. in the books. Well, but when I was reading this, I don't think it was being made up. Like, I thought about halfway through, I was like, are Albus and Scorpius well, in you know love what? with each other? I, I kind of think J.K. Rowling. The, the, thing, the thing is, though, J.K. needs to put her money where her mouth is. Yeah. Because yes. she talks so much about, like, oh, you know, I'm all about representation and I'm all about, like, diversity. No, you're fucking not. Like, the, the original books are very white mm-hmm. and very hetero, mm-hmm. like, and you can't just decide after the fact that, you know, I mean, oh, well, you can, but, like, gay. and I, I don't mind Dumbledore being gay because it's like, well, you know, there was no reason that Dumbledore's sexuality had anything to do with his character. There was no reason for it to come up. So I don't, I don't think she got a lot of criticism for that. But I was like, look, if you're going to talk about how Hogwarts is so diverse, we just happen to not see it in the books. <laughs> if, if you really are going to sort of toy with the shipping thing, like, just go through with it. Like, yeah. look, I don't mind because, like, the Harry Potter books are always about friendship. I don't mind friendship being foregrounds. I don't mind that. But, like, it did walk a very fine shippy line Yeah, but at the, at the very end it comes in, like, uh, Scorpius is, you know, he asks out Rose. You're like, oh. I felt like they tacked that on to be like, guys, they're not gay. Yeah, and it was <laughs> everybody felt very relaxed. There ain't no quiz. Particularly yeah. when like Scorpius was kind of getting jealous when Delphi and uh, Albus were sort of getting yeah, close exactly. to everything. And it was like you like, I was like, I'm not making this up. You you could. I mean it, if 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 JK Rowling is really as progressive as she claims to be, you no, you're not making it up. Like I definitely had moments I was like, oh okay. But like you you really you, I don't know. I, mean, I, just, I don't think the NRS is on her for this because it wasn't penned by her. Yeah, but I mean, it was I just developed. It, and it, yeah, but a lot of the dialogue is none of the dialogue is hers because clearly no. it doesn't come from her. No, no, and she's got a JK's got much a of very... that uh, shipping between Scorpius and Albus is in the dialogue. So either they did that by accident, which wouldn't surprise me given the dialogue in the rest of the play, <laughs> or they really were trying to hammer home that. But then they got the hetero stuff of asking out uh, Rose and all that. It's bizarre. This play is just bizarre. I don't get. Half the reason. What do you think of the length as anything? well? It's very long. It's long, isn't it? Ninety-seven pages for the first act. Mm. Look, I just kind of, I, I kind of feel like they've, they've set themselves with a real thankless task because, you know, they've, 
it almost kind of feels like they've tried to please everyone and in doing that they've sort of pleased no one because they've been like, oh, well, you know, we'll release it as a book and then, but the book really is just a reminder of the fact that most of us won't get to see the play but then releasing it as a play, I know somebody who got tickets for the play and it was like 600 bucks for both parts. Yeah, it's crazy. It's fucking Expensive. ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, you know, J.K. Rowling was saying in an interview, oh, I want every Harry Potter fan to be able to experience this story. It's like, well, don't make the ticket 600 bucks then. And like, and two parts makes it very long and of course it's going to be that much if the, I mean, like if the budget's going to be as big as it has to be, the play probably actually has to be that much to account for it. Then why is it two parts? Like, and there's a lot of unnecessary shit in there that like, Mm. I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I kind of feel like it's, you know, the the people who can go and see the play, you know, will probably get a lot out of this story, but like getting, seeing the story as it's meant to be seen is going to be either very expensive, very difficult or downright impossible for most of us. Yeah. So I question the logic of like, yeah, talking about it being this this Harry Potter experience that everyone should have, or I don't know. Well, we'll, I, we'll probably never see it. No, we probably won't. I, Unless they release some sort of film. But even like, that, that film experience won't be the same. Yeah. You know? And to be honest, I thinking about it now, like I, if it came to Australia tomorrow and was the price it is overseas, oh, I, yeah, I wouldn't I would, pay that much. I for wouldn't it. pay that much for no. it. Like I. But I don't even think like I mean even if it was like a hundred bucks, which is pretty standard for, and I suppose you're seeing two two and a half hour plays because they're very long acts. I guess like maybe it was two hundred bucks for the whole thing. Maybe I would see it, but yeah. I don't. I've, I've read the story now. I know what happens. Like basically, I'd be going in there to watch a lot of cool special effects and sort of yeah. see how they did. That'd things. be like, my interest in it to see how they actually yeah. do this. Pull but I actually, I, I actually could not tell any of you right now quite honestly, that I would fork out even a couple of hundred bucks to go and see this if, if it was in Australia. Mm. Like, I've read it. I, yeah. I know what happens. I know what the next chapter is. You know, I my experience of the – and, you know, I think what was special about the Harry Potter books was the fact that, like, my my versions of the characters in Harry Potter are extremely different. Well, I mean, Ginny's my favourite character. She wouldn't be my favourite character <laughs> if I was basing her on the films because no. – what, what, what the fuck? Oh, Bonnie Wright. Bonnie Wright. <laughs> But like, hey, she's a star. All but right. like, I, I, I see. Writes all right. I see very few of the film versions of the Harry Potter characters the same way I see the movie versions. That's okay because yeah. it's an interpretation. Yeah. I'm cool to accept that. But my Harry Potter world is very much my Harry Potter world, and that's how I see it. And there's a certain feeling and and warmth and I guess personal approach to it that I have. Who's, and who's Dumbledore in your world, Gabe? I don't. I, I see. I don't see Dumbledore. As, it's not Richard Harris, and it's not. See, it's I, certainly it's, not Michael Gambon. Gambon it's not Michael right. Gambon. It's the hell. I mean, Michael Gambon had more energy, but like, and I see Dumbledore as having more energy, but I like, I really mm. saw Dumbledore as like not being sprightly, but like having the ability to be sprightly if he wanted to, and like have a bit of a twinkle in his eye. And he's he's not like Harris had the twinkle. Harris had the twinkle, but Harris also was very very, very old. old. Yeah, but very you know they can fake that a little bit. Yeah, like, I could to, maybe he's pulling he Grandmaster Pycelle. I couldn't see. Yeah. I couldn't see Harris so doing that. There's, the, there's this cutscene from the first one where he's paying a prostitute to leave his head office, and then he's just jumping around the place. <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of always saw Dumbledore as like you know the long nose, the twinkle in his eye, yeah. and always that slight smile. And, and we very, all saw him as Ian McKellen, but they just. No, see, I don't. I think Ian even Ian McKellen's too that. cantankerous. Like Gandalf, as played by Ian McKellen, has yeah. that kind of cantankerous, grumpy streak to him, which is why we love Gandalf. It's yeah, part of yeah, who he yeah, is. Yeah. But like I, yeah, I don't quite see. I Christopher guess, Lee. It should have been Christopher Lee as Dumbledore. Mm, nah, I get Christopher it. Lee is Salazar Slytherin. If doesn't have the yeah. warmth. I reckon yeah. he could be very warm if he tried. Could could he? We'll never know. Yeah. I mean, we'll <laughs> never know. Now. I don't think there's anything in his in his current works to support that. But I reckon he he could pull it off. Plus, when he, Dumbledore has to be terrifying. 
You'd also, get do we have do we have to have portrait Dumbledore? Oh, okay, because like, that was my next thing. Do we have to have portrait Dumbledore guys, tearing up? I hate Dumbledore. Like in in general, I've always hated Dumbledore. What's wrong with you? Um, I think he's a piece of shit. I think he's garbage. I feel like that's why Harry has it off with him about that as well. Yeah, but I don't. I don't need him in this play. I, I don't. Uh, Portrait you know Dumbledore does nothing yeah. for me. When yeah, you, I don't want to see him cry. When I don't a need character to see him dies, say I love you. I don't need Harry to be like. Oh, by the way, we mate, love all, you too. Yeah, no, I can't believe they went back to that. Yeah. As we said before, it's like a greatest hits. But we've we've yeah, heard they, this song they're before. Covering so many things they've already covered. So many bad character cover. beats. Like, didn't they in book seven? Dumbledore's not in the portrait, is he? Like he's just he, not there. No, he's somewhere he else. She just yeah. left at that. I don't need so Dumbledore anymore. You know what? The fact is, like, the impact of killing. The impact of killing a character off in fiction, I believe, is that if you're going to kill a character off, don't have them appear again. Hmm. Because the reason a character's death has impact is that you don't see them anymore. And the reason a person's death in real life has impact is because you've lost that person. That person doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and you don't get to see that person anymore. Stuff. And they're gone. And they're, Yeah, sure. But like they're, they've disappeared. They're not there anymore. There's a void where they were. And that is why when you kill somebody in fiction – don't bring them back in any way yeah. because if you do, you lessen the impact of losing them. I've never and liked the portraits. No, me neither. And like, even though there's a bit where they're like, "Oh, the portrait is only fifty yeah. percent of," but even after that, that Harry felt still very gets hokey too. For advice, so it's that, like yeah. that was one of my biggest problems. What I was mm. talking about before the dialogue doesn't sound like it's from Harry Potter as well. Yeah. That line, people's using the words like percentage, yeah, and that sort of jargon, it just doesn't gel. No, yeah, no. And it was just a little convenient thing to add in, it like, was. oh, you can't trust what the portraits. I just don't like the portraits being in. It's like you say, Gabe, if a character dies, just be done with them. Yeah, exactly. Can't keep Dumbledore's dead, but then like, you know, in the movie and stuff, you see him again in the little um where are they in King's, King's Cross, Cross or whatever? Yeah. King's stuff Cross. Like and plus there's some like, stuff with It just like, doesn't really feel like Dumbledore ever died because it's like, still there. Exactly. And with Sirius, like I remember Sirius's death hitting so hard because oh, he was yeah. just gone. And I mean, even though he came back with Harry's parents at the end, which end of the seventh book, which I didn't like. I really mm. didn't need that. But like Sirius just not being there was so impactful because yeah. Sirius, particularly in the fifth book, had been such an important figure in Harry's life. And I mean, like, I don't know, like J.K. Rowling has such a gift for characters, like, because they're all they're all just so so well developed and so well realized. They feel like real people. And in this, I don't think they did. Like, I don't think like with the reason Snape is compelling is because he's an asshole, but like, you know, he has his reasons for doing what he's doing. But you know, he, he feels like a real flawed person Sirius felt like a real flawed person because the whole point of Sirius was that like he yeah he was like this father figure and Harry looked up to him but Harry liked him so much because he was basically a teenager who'd lost his whole youth and he was like frozen mm-hmm. where yeah, he was yeah. and he was trying to sort of recreate that with Harry and so there's actually something really sad about Sirius in his heart like the, the, it's that kind of like we talked about this a bit in the fantasy episode how we were talking about how the reason the most impactful Game of Thrones characters are your Joffreys and your Walter Freys in terms of villains because we all know people like that it's just that idea taken to its extreme and jk had this gift in harry potter of creating characters who we recognize because they were believable real people yeah. and in this everybody just felt so hollow. one note yeah, yeah hollow i mean i my stomach didn't turn and my think my head didn't curl when i saw umbridge return no yeah. i should have because yeah. fuck i hate umbridge oh i think everybody oh, who yeah. read that fifth book like just and what an amazing character by the way yeah. like she's oh, one of the yeah. most She's and, probably one of the best villains and ever And the epitome written. of what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. We all know someone like Umbridge, who's so petty and vile. And that frustrating bureaucrat who knows exactly what she's doing yeah. and keeps doing it anyway but won't ever acknowledge it, which is so... Like, she's so evil, but because she does it in that kind of, like, overly unpleasant, sickly sweet way, we mm. all know 
the family friend like that who, or the aunt like that, who everyone's just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck off. Like, it's, again, like, and then she turned up and it was just like, and I, like, I actually think Umbridge was almost more effective when she wasn't basically a pseudo death eater. Mm. Like, when she was just like a really horribly unpleasant government bureaucrat. Yeah, I agree. So like the Pauline Hansen of the wizarding world <laughs> before she was like, and then when she was like in the seventh book in particular, where she was pretty much in cahoots with Voldemort, it was just like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it felt sort of natural in the book because she was just still being the bureaucrat. Yeah, essentially, just with yeah. more power. I think actually, to put it in Harry Potter's world, I think that's what this book feels like, the resurrection stone. When you turn the stone and the people come back to life, but they're sort of pale, hollow yeah, imitations yeah, of what they were. Yeah. That's what this book sort of felt like the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how much of that, do, putting, putting this question to you guys, how much of that do you think is because we're reading a script that is only, I mean, this is only the skeleton on which. Yeah, so it's meant to be yeah, seen, it's meant not to be read. seen. Is there also a part of you that reads it and you go, I know that J.K. Rowling didn't write this? That's so kind of just... comfort to me. <laughs> yeah. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, this now, yeah. But when you're reading it, you're like, I feel better about this if it was her. I thought about it beforehand. I was like, I wonder if I'll notice. Oh, boy, did I notice. Yeah, you do. Yeah, The dialogue. It was the a dialogue. dialogue. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, like, and particularly because, like, J.K. Rowling, I'm such a J.K. apologist because there's a lot of, there's a lot of backlash lately about, like, how much she keeps coming back and tinkering with the world of Harry Potter and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but the thing is, there seems to be this, like, general air of, let it go, J.K. I'm sorry, have you read the Cormoran Strike books? She's doing brilliant stuff outside of Harry Potter. The woman's a fucking genius. Her talent for storytelling has not flagged one iota. But, like, yes, yeah, sure, she wants to go back and, like, tinker with this amazing world. That she, if I'd created that world, I'd want to go back and I tinker with it. I can't believe anyone has a problem but, with that. And here's the thing, because there's no real precedent for it. Because most people in the uh, fantasy episode, we discussed how these fantasy authors devote their whole lives to it. Like, Lord of the Rings is Tolkien's life work, and C.S. Lewis devoted his whole life to the Chronicles yeah. of Narnia. J.K. Rowling hit her big fantasy work. It was the first thing she did. She started early. So she's got the rest of her life to keep building this world. And apparently that makes some people uncomfortable. And I can't no, imagine why. Like, I mean, the, but see, what didn't... This and is this something is, we can't... We but can't this is why Cursed Child crossed the line in some ways, because all her tinkering and all her background stories and all her little bits and pieces, and even things like um, Fantastic Beasts. Like, sure, it's just a different yeah. story set in that yeah. world. But, yeah. like, to me, Harry Potter, those seven books are one big, epic, complete story. It wraps up perfectly satisfying. Yep. Everything is resolved. And, yeah, sure thing, if we drop, like, little hints and little bits and pieces about what's going on and everything, that's fine. I, I, I can get behind that, and I can get behind other stories set in that world. But for me, the Harry Potter story began – it had a beginning, middle, and an end over the course of those seven books. And – it was complete, it was satisfying, and I would go as far as to say that it's a masterpiece of YA literature. It's a masterpiece of literature in general. These are books that will be read and beloved for years to come. It did not need this pseudo-eighth installment. It, it really didn't. And, like, calling it the eighth story gives it all this weight it doesn't deserve because it's something – so what, now we're meant to look at Harry Potter as an eight-part saga instead of a seven-part saga? Because the story was about oh, Harry Potter <laughs> overcoming his demons and defeating Voldemort, and that was done. And it felt like this book, this play had to backtrack so much of that – purely to have any kind of conflict or yep. story to tell at all. Like, don't fucking tease us with the return of Voldemort. Like, we don't need that. And what? Like, what? Are we meant? To, are we going to believe for a second that you're actually going to bring Voldemort back after you took seven books to wipe him out in the first place? Like, come, come on. Like, n- no. It just, that, that, that to me is actually its biggest crime, is that it just felt unnecessary. Like, I finished it and I was like, you know what? My life has not been bettered or like i didn't i didn't get that feeling ed goose had where you know it's like oh i'm back i got that a bit but not enough to justify it yeah not for a I mean, second that feeling like, i had did go away yeah <laughs> so make that perfectly clear it didn't hang yeah, around it, for the whole book i was happy with the ending we got and i think that's you know as much as you might finish the story you love and you say 
oh yeah, I'd love more and I'd love more and all of that. But like, I mean, the Harry Potter series to me, say what you will about the epilogue, but to me, it ended perfectly. It wrapped up. It was. If you want epilogue, that, if you want that feeling of being back, just read the seven books again. Exactly. You know I mean? <laughs> this, and it's not like they want for detail or subplots no. or depth. Like they're the, yeah. they're, the reason to me, what defines a classic is something that you can come back to time and time again and always find new things to love yeah. and take away from. And to me, Harry Potter, that book series this, is this will not one, be of, one those. of those. No, no. I finished it. And I, was I, like, I can't see myself. I'm not going to read this, this again. To be honest, no, me neither. No. That's why I don't even want to see the play. I was yeah. like, do I really want to sit through the story again? Mm. No. no. Yeah, I don't really consider this like the eighth story. It's more like. Can we consider this not canon? That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I don't really it consider it canon. Feel canon. And also, mm. it doesn't really. There's nothing. The only canon stuff is that uh, Albus is Slytherin, Scorpius is Slytherin, like where the kids belong. And I feel like that's yeah. that's really all the extra information you learn. The rest is kind of like just a fun thought experiment of like, hey, what would happen if we went back in time? Yeah. Because like, yeah. there's literally like nothing happens past. It says 19 years later, and it's like. Is what three years because that's what basically yeah, exactly. about 14. Then, yeah. but that's, that, because, that's because nothing crucial happens apart from, I guess, that reveal. And because by the end of it, you know, I mean, we ended Deathly Hallows with Harry being a good father, loving his son, giving good advice, and then for some reason, Harry wasn't that anymore. And then by the end of this book, he is that again. And we ended that with Harry being like, Hey, it's okay for you to get into Slytherin. Why was it such a big deal that Albus got into Slytherin? Did like you get because any like, shits about what house you we, were in we should high have, school. We no. should have explored that in some yeah. ways. Like, what what does that mean? Mm. Like, what is what is so fundamentally different about Albus that was he? What is Slytherin? It's, it's ambition and drive. And did yeah. we see that from Albus? Like, what did he? What did he care about? What did he want? Like, we at yeah, least why Harry was, he was in Slytherin? Quidditch. Like, and I could see why Harry because you know the Sorting Hat says at the start you've got that thirst for greatness and that need to prove yourself. Which is so true. That's so central to his character. Yeah, but so, what does Albus have? What like, does Albus have that puts him in Slytherin? What does Scorpius have that puts him in Slytherin? <laughs> yeah, that's a more baffling one. Yeah. He should have been a Do you think he asked? Do you think he asked to be put in Slytherin? That would make sense, dad. but I would have addressed that. Yeah. Maybe the sorting hat takes bribes. Maybe he just sniffed Malfoy on him and was like, mm. Yeah. It's I don't know, it just it just kind of it all just feels very inconsequential to me, which I just I I don't know why, and for, for me it like doesn't justify all the like, who wants to pay $300 to watch a story that just doesn't have much of a point? Apart from Harry yeah. Potter's a bit of a deadbeat dad. I wish they'd then... put him in Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys need a list. No, that, would, <laughs> that would be the most disappointing thing for a parent to hear. Yeah. That's when you'd stop dad reading the book. You'd be like, fucking you Hufflepuff, that, no way. You get that letter from home. It's like, dad, I've been sort of in Hufflepuff. And you get the letter back saying, just stay there all year, son. Don't come back, <laughs> don't come don't come back for Christmas. And then, like, <laughs> the darkest timeline. <laughs> write a letter to Hogwarts. Do you they have to come back for the summer holidays? Can Hagrid take care of my kid? Can you just... <laughs> I don't want him back. You can have him. Look, he might as well be the assistant groundskeeper because he's not going to be doing anything else with his life. Where was Hagrid? I yeah, what was... the hell? He's still alive because they say... He would have made an to... effort to be like, hey, Elbus, let's hang out. We know stuff. he's That's alive because in the you know? epilogue of book seven, Rose yeah. says, all right, forget, don't forget, you've got to eat Hagrid's on Friday. There you go. So Hagrid is still yeah, kicking around the school. The, the only Hagrid we get in the book is flashbacks. I liked, the, I liked a lot of McGonagall stuff. McGonagall is good. still eternally great. But she's great. one of my favourite characters. She's a beautiful lady. Got to marry great. the hell out of McGonagall as soon as she's, I can. Yeah. What was that? Oh, man, there were a couple of really good moments with her. Like, I love the bit where she, like, kind of... I didn't believe that she would cave so quickly to Harry being like, you watch my son and you make... I didn't... Yeah, yeah McGonagall, no. like, Did you love the bit with the weird. map where she... Yeah, where oh, she came in. She was like, them. can't see him. So, I yeah. love that. But I also really loved... The bit at one of the meetings towards the end where McGonagall like steamrolled Hermione and yes. Hermione's regressed to being like professor. Yeah. And I was like, that's so great because I, I, love, I love the fact that like they're all like Harry's the head of law enforcement, Hermione's yeah, like the, the minister, minister of magic. <laughs> and the idea that, which I think that you could have had more of, 
that would have been really funny and really true to life is the idea that they're still terrified of McGonagall. Oh, yeah. Like, that would have they, been they so good. They should have done a bit more with that, I think. Yeah. I think they played yeah. with that enough. Like, every time right. they, they got into uh, McGonagall's office, she'd, like, make some comment about them getting the carpet ready, and they're like, oh, shit, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, like, I could have... Because I, I love Professor McGonagall. I think she's an amazing character. And, like, yeah. I could have... she? Well, the thing is, Jackie actually said when the seventh book came out that she was retired. wasn't... Oh, she was, like, in her 70s, I think, or something. But J.K. did say at some point that McGonagall had retired by the time the kids Actually, went to I school. Actually, I read that. Now she's headmistress. Maybe a week ago. So, so yeah, I was maybe surprised not. when it... Yeah, like we've yeah. said, Changed fan it. service. Mm. Yeah. And we don't stand for anything fan service or fan fiction related here no, in this we podcast. That's not our business. None of that. Well, I guess at this point, now that we all feel sad about, uh, <laughs> about the cursed child, um, is there anything else we want to bring up? Any issues, any quibbles, anything we liked apart from Scorpius? Or have we, have we burnt ourselves out on this topic? What did I like? Oh, jeez. Anyone? <laughs> it was really just Scorpius. It was really just Scorpius. Yeah. Scorpius. Not all of them. I didn't love all of Scorpius. No. He had some bad dialogue. Yeah, well, Scorpius. He was a Malfoy. The train escape. Yeah, train escape was great, actually. Um, Some of the times when Harry and Hermione were talking, that was fun, I guess. It made me, it felt familiar. It would have been good if Ron was ever, you know, Ron. Yeah, that would have been great if Ron was in this book, which he's not. Sure. No, he's not. Got some lame dad. Okay, I think lame I'm tapped jokes, out of things I liked. And he likes food. That's Ron Weasley. Yeah. yeah I'm tapped that's, out of that's... stuff. Things we didn't like. Delphi. Well, all of it. <laughs> all of it? Um, all 330 pages. <laughs> no, you know, the train thing was great. That's probably the best bit. Um, train Lady, best character. Yeah, Train Lady was awesome. <laughs> Do we pitch like a side film that's just her? <laughs> Honestly, I would, make I'd that pact that. with who did she make the deal with? Like, oh, I, I won't fail you. Oh, Welcome yeah. to another episode of Movie Maintenance where some movies just need pitching this week. Train Lady. <laughs> that was great. That was that was actually all. That was like some classic Harry Potter, like just her being this monster and then just the bit after. So I was like, yeah, she just wouldn't shut up about how she'd failed this person. <laughs> like, that was so good. Yeah. All right. Um, Overall, I still kind of loved it. But that's just goodwill from the seven books. I mm-hmm. know that in my heart. Yeah. And when they eventually turn this into a TV series or a film of its own, I will see the hell out, hell out of it more than once. But until then, I doubt I'm going to touch this book. For It'll be a while. I, I think I'm. I think I'm done with Harry Potter. I think you know. I'll, oh, I'll go back now. Well, hang on, hang on. Not not in that way. Not in that way. Just, I'll I, see you in December, I'm, mate. You know what? <laughs> yeah, there was a, no, no, that's not what I said. I, there, there was a part of me, particularly after the seventh book, and part of me that's like. When JK has like mentioned things in years since, I've been like, oh man, like another installment, another, yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be good. And this, yeah, but I'm over it now. What, yeah, yeah, this kind of, I was like, okay, like, honestly, I guess nothing's truer than leave people wanting more. And I always wanted more, even though I was satisfied with it. And now after this, I, I don't. If there was another installment following on from this, I don't want to read it. I, I'm done. Like, I'll go back and I'll reread the original seven and I'll love them and I will always love them. They mean a huge amount to me. And I'll watch Fantastic Beasts and I'll probably enjoy that. It's got Colin Farrell and I like it when he's in things. Yep. But for this, I'm, yeah, I really, I didn't need it. I, I don't really have much more to say than that. I'm sorry. Well, on that I, I agree with note, that. <laughs> on that very, very sad note, I've been Tom. I've been Gabe. I've been Sean. I've been Elise. And if you have any thoughts... Yeah, what Ed Goose is saying. Yeah. Gabe, what are you doing, buddy? I don't know. I, I know. I always get this bit wrong. You can have this bit. I don't want it. I'm sad. What's our email address? <laughs> I don't know. And if you have any thoughts at all on Harry Potter and the Cursed Child of how to fix it, or you just want to talk to us about it, you can get in contact with us at sanspensradio at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at sanspensradio, or you can yell at us on our individual Twitters. I am at Tom Edgoose. I'm at Goldberg Moser. I'm at Sidekick of Dowie. I'm at at Elise AT. 
Elise. <laughs> at, at Elise. Yeah. At, at Elise. Like the Star Wars thing? No, I just... Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. I didn't know what the squiggly yeah. sign meant. Go back and change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing to come out of this podcast. Have you got any, awesome. oh, also, have you got any ideas for train lady movies? Just, oh, yeah. yeah. No, just go nuts. Look, we'll, yeah. I, I think we'll do it. Like, yeah. I think we can... Let's do it. Do a train Far more episode. important is the train lady movie. <laughs> yeah, undoubtedly. What makes Next time on Movie Maintenance. <laughs> if you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.